This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hiya, it's the Concrete Rose Sunny Kiss, AEW wrestler, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. Remember to stay sunny delicious. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 240. My name is Nick Howell. And cooler than Orange Cassidy in a meat freezer in Antarctica, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the Busted Wide Open Show. Mm. We are back, Nick, and we've got to talk about AEW on the show today. We've got to talk about NXT. We have to talk about SmackDown. Uh, Undertaker kind of Down? Whatever. Undertaker okay. Down? Take her down? Take her down. Take her down. That sounds That's good. That actually works. No, that sounds terrible, Nick. That sounds oh. very offensive. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about the show we have today and the fact that we've got to get through all of that, but we have to do our housekeeping first, and then we can discuss all of that wrestling. So let's do that right now. Yes, real quick today, guys, we got a lot of wrestling to go over, so let's blow right through this. Make sure mm. you're in the Discord. You can find all these links I'm about to say in the description below here on YouTube. But if you're not and you're listening in your ear holes uh, yeah. instead, you can find us over on Facebook. Just search for Busted Wide Open. You'll find the group over there. Like our page. Just send us a join request to get in. Uh, where you'll hang out with the rest of the phenomenal ones, posting good Ooh. news stories, memes, all kinds of good stuff. But most importantly, make sure you get into our Discord community. It's where we have live chats and conversations all throughout the week for all of the shows that happen. Plus, we talk about movies, games. We have a fun, safe space mental health place where you can come in and check in with friends and have good conversations like that, uh, as well as pay-per-view dedicated channels that and throwback chats. So all kinds of good stuff happening. That is the place to be right now is uh, the BWO Discord community. So make sure you find your way into that. You can also find us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. We stream live right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, where we also do our patron mailbag, which Dude. is an AMA-style show where uh, patrons can send in questions, and we answer them to all of our lovely viewers and listeners. But to get in on some of that, you have to head over to patreon.com slash BWO and sign up for at least that $5 a month tier where you get access to the show notes as well and the ability to play in our patron pick'ems challenge for the big mm. four pay-per-views in addition to getting to answer or send in questions every single week throughout that month. Bonus episodes at the $10 tier, Skype calls, special segments, all kinds of good stuff available over at patreon.com slash BWO. I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention that <laughs> BWO Daily is blowing the roof 
off of our YouTube channel. Thank you guys, everybody, for showing up for BWO Daily. We love that you guys are enjoying that. Um, it is exactly what we kind of wanted it to be. It's a 10 to 15 minute show every single day where we bring you effectively the other news lightning round, the hot yep. topics of every single day and what's going on. So and, we hope you guys are there have been that. some hot topics recently. Yeah, the last couple <laughs> of weeks have been tough. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, it's uh, been a heavy couple of weeks. We're ready to talk about some graphs. we got Fighter Fest coming up. We've got to get into mm -hmm. that. Uh, but make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Make sure you get into the Discord. And, hey, if you want some sweet swag, some cool merch, Sir Ian Dangerous has made up some really cool stuff. You can type uh, exclamation merch or you'll get a link from the bot right here in the chat if you're watching on YouTube. Or you can find it down in the description below or pinned to our social media profiles. Mm -hmm. <sighs> okay. You got this. You got this, buddy. Now we got to go over and get ready for Fighter Fest, which means we've got to kick over and talk about All Elite Wrestling. We're going home to Fighter Fest, or kind of, because Fighter Fest isn't a pay-per-view anymore. Now it's a two-week show on Dynamite, and to counter-program, NXT's doing the Great American Bash for two weeks. <laughs> All right, cool, okay. fine. Uh, strange days we live in once again. But this was a show all about setting up matches for Fighter Fest if they hadn't had matches set up already, which some of them they didn't, and then also to promote the matches that they did have. And I think that they did all of that to varying degrees of effectiveness. Some of them, they just seemed to throw matches together. And I'm not mad at the matches, but it just seemed thrown together. Yep. And then other times there were matches that had been made that they went home to kind of soft, I feel. And then there were other matches that they went home strong that I wasn't interested in until this moment. And I'm wondering why they, I wasn't interested until this moment. It was kind of all over the place, Nick. The show yeah. was all over the place. I, I, and I'm wondering why they spent some of this capital on the show instead of saving it for Fighter Fest. Yeah, that was another was, thing that came up. It was it was a it was bizarre all around. Um, I could talk about the end of the show and the main event first, but instead I want to talk about what opened the show, and that was a the lumberjack match between two monsters, Wardlow and Luchasaurus. And I'm not gonna lie when I say Nick, I've been waiting for this match for a while now. Pretty much I since wanted, MJF turned and introduced Wardlow as his enforcer, we've known that. And, and here's another thing I want to say. For everybody out there going, oh, AEW is just a bunch of little dudes doing flippy shit. They Hi. also have, they have big dudes doing flippy shit as well. Hey, yeah. <laughs> they've cornered the market on right. flippy shit of all sizes. <laughs> and that's the thing about this match is that it was a lot of big guy stuff, but it was also kind of the new style of big guy stuff like, that we also see in NXT as well. Big guys doing things big guys shouldn't be able to do. Yeah. And the only like true big man match I can think of in recently, like the last six months, was Keith Lee versus Johnny Gargano, where Keith didn't flip. He didn't do any crazy moves. He acted like a big man, lumbering around and tossing poor little Johnny Gargano all over the place. This was not that. This was two big boys colliding and then doing stuff big boys shouldn't be able to do. Head scissors takeovers, like with the one from Wardlow, at the one point, which was mwah, beautiful, uh, you had at one point a shooting star press. Luchasaurus did a shooting star press onto a crowd of dudes outside the ring. Um, he, they, he's 6'6". Six, six. He, he did a shooting star press. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, there was an attempt at a Spanish fly, a standing Spanish fly, or I guess it was a sort of, sort of a running Spanish fly, but it was still in the middle of the ring. 
it didn't come off so well. There was an attempt, but yeah, Nick. So this was this was a match that also, by the way, for a lumberjack match, those lumberjacks were completely ineffective. Right, they These spent a lot of dudes, time outside of the ring. <laughs> they, they did kind of whatever they wanted. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, like I could complain about it and be like, it wasn't a real lumberjack match. It wasn't really a big man match. It was entertaining as hell. I completely forgot that it was a lumberjack match yeah. five minutes outside the <laughs> ring. I was I was like, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, Wardlow hucking Marco's stunt eight feet, 18 feet in the air, whatever it was, onto the yeah. crowd. Like it oh, was. He he pressed him. He, like he <laughs> threw him straight up. <laughs> he, he didn't like just let him fall off into the crowd. Nope. It was whoop. Yeah. Yeet. <laughs> so where does this rank among like the acrobatic big man matches recently, like Keith Lee, Dijak, or you know, with, with throw in you could throw Damian Priest into that number, like sure. any of those Lance guys kind of mixed and match. Yeah. Yeah, Lance Archer, mix and match those guys. Like, where does this fall into the, those rankings? Like, is this in the top half, or was this like, uh, was it not not, right. not not that great? Right in the middle. I wouldn't say yeah. not that great. I wouldn't say top half. It's somewhere floating around the middle. It was very entertaining. It was very pleasing to my, uh, my eye holes <laughs> and my sensibilities of big boys doing big boy stuff, plus a little bonus icing of some flippy shit in there. Yeah, I, I, I dug this, and I completely... I didn't get bent out of shape or wrapped around the axle. Of, it's a lumberjack match. They shouldn't be out. They shouldn't be able to be outside the ring for so long. I, I get it. I understand why you're upset, but maybe question your priorities a little bit. It was fine. It was fun. It just, we finally got some big dudes, hoss match, beating the hell yeah. out of each other. And it's only a matter of we got Brian Cage in there now. We've got We've got big boys showing up. And I'm looking forward to more Haas matches happening in AEW. I actually watched a match from that from PWG a while back. Um, I watched it yesterday, but I it was from a while back. Brian Cage drill clawing Keith Lee. Mm. If you want to know what that man is capable of, so it's, Keith Lee Walter. Oh, oh PWG Brian championship. Cage. <laughs> Brian Cage, a strong boy. But okay, oh. let's talk about this right here because the end of the match was Wardlow, uh, MJF distracting the ref. Jungle Boy spears him through the ropes. Ref's back is turned. Uh, Wardlow hits a low blow on Luchasaurus and gives him an F10 for the pin. Uh, and then there's a scuffle after the match. And Tony Khan takes advantage of it and sets up Jurassic Express versus MJF and Wardlow at Fighter Fest. Excited for a, like a last-minute thrown-together match. Like We've had a sort of a build for this that we didn't see the match coming where you've had MJF and Jungle Boy face off. You've had now Wardlow and Luchasaurus face off. So it's actually been kind of like a a bit of a roundabout trip to get here to this match where I guess we could have seen it coming. Uh, oh, yeah. And is, Cody's is, hinted at it, too, in press calls and things like that. He said MJF and Jungle Boy are the future of the company. Sure. So, yeah, let's let's finally... They, they've had the interactions outside the ring. They've been at each other for a while. Yeah. Pretty much for about six months now. They've just been back and forth at each... And finally, it's coming to a head. Finally, we're at, So, I don't want to say there hasn't been any build. I think traditionally, no. There's been no story kind of build. But finally letting these two people that just have like some, you know, a little bit of vitriol and just don't like each other. Let them get in the <laughs> ring and settle their difference. Isn't that what we do in professional wrestling? Yeah. We settle I, I, it in the ring. And I feel like, you know, they're setting it up for MJF and Jungle Boy to have a long, long rivalry. So great. More power to that. Given the, given the match that both MJF and Jungle Boy had and Luchasaurus and Wardlow had, I'm, I'm down to see a tag team match. Cool. It'll be entertaining. It'll be chaotic. And it'll be fun, so give me that. Uh, At some the, point, MJF or and or Jungle Boy end up as your AEW champion down the road, 
and all we're all going to remember all of this, and this is all going to be brought back to memory. And so I think it's worthwhile. I think it's a good effort here. Prognostications by Nick, brought to you by Mr. Howell. Thank you, sir. If you have a prognostication about the main event, I'd like to hear that as well. And that was Orange okay. Cassidy having a face-off with Chris Jericho. Jericho has had come up with a nice little promo on Orange Cassidy where he said, why did the chicken cross the road? It's kind of amusing the first time you hear it, but after you hear it for a while, it gets old, just like your gimmick, Orange Cassidy. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you went right for the gullet there, didn't he? Uh, so Orange Cassidy didn't take kindly to this, and he gave him a couple of stiff kicks to the shins. <laughs> As Orange Cassidy does to mock him, Jericho was not a fan of that, so he took off his Ray-Bans and snapped them in two. Which you, you don't touch a man's Ray-Bans. No, you just don't. Nope. So Cassidy, of course, jumps Jericho. We have a brawl. They brawl up in the stands. Jericho hits Cassidy with a boom stand with one of the little what, what would you call it? Like the the camera booms. Hits him with that. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy busted open down the ear. He runs Sorry? down the stairs, it busted open, busted wide open. And there it, you go. It, it, if you wheel. Yeah. On the ear, runs down, Superman punches Jericho, who flies into the, one of the tables up there, and then Orange Cassidy poses with his thumb kind of halfway up, blood pouring out of his ear, to end the show. Orange Cassidy versus Jericho. I, mm, I have a couple questions here, Nick. One, okay. is the Orange Cassidy gimmick not effective if he fights like this too much, like he's getting set off a lot now. It was it was months and months after AEW debuted before he quote tried. Now it seems like he's trying all the time. He's set off all the time. Like, mm. isn't the point that he doesn't get set off like this? Okay, but which which flavor of ice cream do you want? Because you know, I I like the fact that it's getting mixed up a little bit, and we're getting a taste of each. In the beginning, he came out as a sort of sidekick of the best friends, and he was just doing silly antics like being pulled out on top of a ladder from underneath the ring. And yeah, da, 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 and just be doing Orange Cassidy silly things. We all loved it, and we all sat here and went, when are we going to get to see Orange Cassidy actually wrestle? Is this all he does? Is he just silly? Now we're actually getting mm -hmm. this. Why is this too much? Orange Cassidy's wrestling. Can we? He's just. This is too much. No. Stop. <laughs> just, he's brilliant. Just let the man do his thing. Uh, right. And just stop trying to control it and enjoy what what you're watching. Because I I have a blast. It is what it is. Is what does. you're saying. It's like yeah. it could be whatever he wants it to be. And yeah. that is the brilliance of the gimmick. Is that you know it it there's a lot of levels you can get to it, which on the surface you wouldn't assume. Uh, but he he's finding a lot of levels to it, and we've said on this yep. show before, you know, the the concept funny ain't money. At some point, you have to get serious. Well, there you go. He's getting yeah. serious. Uh, the other question I had about it though is this feud seemed to kind of come out of nowhere just because Jericho couldn't get Tyson locked down for Fighter Fest, <laughs> uh, and the, so they threw this together. Orange Cassidy has been proven to be their one of their number one ratings draws. His segments draw more consistently than anybody else. He's over as hell. He gets pops like crazy from the crowd. When they have a crowd, uh, is Jericho putting himself in a feud with Orange Cassidy to get that rub? Like, mm. is it, Do you feel this is selfish on Jericho's part to sit, look around the AEW roster and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get into a, into a program with the hot kid over there while he's hot before this fickle crowd turns on him because they're sick of his gimmick? 
Interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. I would have. I would have speculated the other way around. It's, it's That's a, why it's a hard hitting question. The kind that a, we ask here on Busted Wide Open. Yeah, it's a coaching opportunity. It's a. It's a. It's a way to have someone like an Orange Cassidy, who's lived in the Indies for the last ten years, have come out and be a, on a big major promotion on national television. Like, it, is it a? Is it a way that? And look at Orange Cassidy. It has to be an honor to be any of those guys. Has to be an honor to stand in the ring next to Jericho. You sound and, like Jericho. Do you sound like Jericho in his own mind right now? Yeah, I, and I, <laughs> I, I agree with him. Okay. Right. Is this some kind of weird 2001 moment where I'm having uh, interway? Uh, listen, I think, I think Jericho is doing what he does, and he's doing as much as he possibly can, as fast as he possibly can with the entire AEW roster in order to not steal the rub off of them, but I think elevate them. Let's take the people that are a draw but are mostly indie darlings and put them in the ring with Jericho in order to raise their stock a little bit. And rising tide lifts all ships, right? So if you get everybody in on the same playing field as Jericho, all of a sudden your entire roster looks like you know, on the caliber or on the same bar with Jericho makes the entire show that much better. I'd say that that were true if he hadn't gone to New Japan and basically been like, I want to work with your top stars. I want to get the rub off your top stars. It seems to be what Jericho's doing these days is put me in the ring with the biggest people, the hottest people right now to keep me relevant. So I'm wondering if that's what this is, the old guy at the club trying to fit in kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, look, I play the Fortnite too. Look, I can do the dance and shit. You know, that's, that's what I'm kind of wondering if that's what this is a little bit. Um, not to impugn the goat, but at the same time, it is, it is kind of interesting. This came out out of kind of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying it's not entertaining. It's entertaining, but yeah. it does seem it, it, it just the, the randomness and the suddenness of this, uh, and the fact that Cassidy is so red hot right now, I would actually keep him from being overexposed until the crowds get back. Um, but here we are. They're having a match at Fighter Fest. Also at Fighter Fest, Cody's having a match with Jake Hager. And we had a very unique setup for this. We had a very sports-like, boxing-like press conference. Cody is obviously much more invested in having a real sports feel about AEW than the Bucks and everybody else. Um, so he had a real sports feel press conference where his crew was all gathered around him and Jake Hager had no show. He was showing up late on his side of the press conference. So they started letting Cody answer questions from the crowd of journalists who, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, they were all from PWI, which was very cute. Yes, here's one from Pro Wrestling uh, Illustrated. Here's one from PWI. They're the same thing. Yeah. So that was very cute. But uh, they asked questions of Cody and of Arn Anderson what they thought about Hager, what they thought about the match. Uh, Arn said, yeah, basically I tricked Cody into getting fired up for this match. Cody says, well, you know, I believe in hope. Whatever that means, he never really explained why hope was what he was thinking about in his match with Jake Hager. Mm. It was just kind of a good guy no, thing he to was say. Asked, he was asked what the TNT championship means to him. Well, hope. <laughs> <laughs> what? I yeah, this kind of went, I wouldn't say it went over my head. It went kind of around and to the side, you know. I liked the Arn the bit. Side, I, really. liked, I liked Arn talking, breaking down Jake Hager. I liked that. But Cody, then Cody started talking about hope. And I was just like, it, it just, I completely lost it. Uh, before we get too far away from it, uh, Jonathan with 350. Mm -hmm. 350. 
$3.50. Says, rub a rub rub, we got a LNM out of a bottle. I'm not uh, sure I know what LNM means. I'm not sure I know what LNM is either. Is it <laughs> something that... It's one of those things the kids know about these days. Yeah. <laughs> we got LNM out of a bottle. Uh, what is what is LNM? Hey, you damn kids! Thanks for three fifty, Jonathan. I <laughs> have no idea what that means, but uh, please let us know chat, down in the chat. We'll clarify it. <laughs> Loch Ness uh, monster out of a bottle. Oh, I see what's going on here. Is that damn Loch Ness monster again? <laughs> Nessie. Nessie, get out of my side of the bay. I don't know why the Scottish are all of a sudden now Southerners. Okay, well, this well, is Well, it was about the- that time that Orange Cassidy <laughs> came out to face Jericho when I said, Damn it, monster! <laughs> you leave Jericho music? alone! <laughs> Sorry, I had to. You leave that boy alone, you hear now, see? Yeah. No, I looked up into his beady brown eyes and he said, I'm going to need about three people. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, Jonathan. There's your 350. Thank you very much, sir. Oh, okay. (laughs) Literally my favorite episode of South Park ever. All right. And then Jake Hager. (laughs) Jake Hager walks in late to the press conference. That's where we were. We're talking about Jake Hager. With his beady brown eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Jake Hager walks in and his smoke show wife, Catalina. Uh, They walk in and uh everyone oh 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 stands up all of a sudden gets ready and jake just kind of looks at the, guy, the cameraman and goes you ready cool let's just get this over with goes over poses next to cody with his fists up poses with over next to cody with his with his arms up and then at the very end puts his fist right next to cody's face the way you do at a boxing match to intimidate cody and cody's crew all and uh, he said, Cody's like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. He's just, it's, it's just Jake, it's just Jake. And then Catalina comes over and throws water in Cody's face. And Dustin Rhodes loses his mic. Get her off the stage! God, God, God. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jake Hager's over there just sipping, sipping on his water, and then they leave. So a little intimidation tactically, a little bit of psychological manipulationation mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Jake Hager on the Cody. Uh, did this work for you as a go home segment, Nick? Like. Was you know traditional sports much meet, like meet Cody's like wrestling. much like Cody's entrance level of pyro and overall presentation. <laughs> oh no, it was a bit much. <laughs> it was a bit much. It was a bit blown out of proportion. It was a bit overdone. It was a completely unnecessary. Did I enjoy the shit out of it? Hell yes. <laughs> I loved. I I I enjoyed the hell out of this. I loved Arn breaking it down. I love Cody being ridiculous as he always does. I love Jake coming in and just being uh, a unintimidated badass. Just gives no f's. Comes in and just he is Jake Hager, and just and then the funny thing is that he doesn't really do anything. It's his wife that that throws yeah. uh, throws the water in Cody's face and sets Dustin off. I it, it was you know just popcorn. Just I'm just sitting there. Just yep. Okay, this is fun. Let's keep going. Yeah, but interestingly wow. enough, Brandy not on the stage. Uh, which was interesting. I wonder if Catalina Allie will was, be ringside. Allie was. Well, that's because QT wasn't there, and she was representing QT. And oh, she had a little okay. she had a little bit where she's like, "I miss my QT," because he's at home because he was exposed to COVID. Right. So reminding us, QT is still a part of this, and so is she, and that whole thing. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. Bottom line is, I wonder if Catalina will be involved in the match itself. Fighter Fest. 
this wasn't mind blowing to me. It was it was interesting. It was unique. I hadn't seen something like this in wrestling in a while. Yeah, I don't know how effective it was, but it was something. It's popcorn uh, one, fodder. Popcorn fodder. One thing I thought was effective was the build to Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford. Shida had a match. She came out to face uh, Red Velvet. I think was her opponent. Uh, which I thought was a kind not of not sure. It lasted about three seconds. <laughs> but the the what happened outside the ring took a lot longer than that. Sheeta did come out, see Penelope Ford running her gums at the side of the ring. Decided to go down there and get in her face. The ref tried to hold Sheeta back, and Penelope got a cheap shot in on Sheeta before the match. That pissed Sheeta off. She tried to hit her with the kendo stick. Ref took the kendo stick, said Sheeta, get in there, have a match. And Sheeta said, "Okay, I freaking will." Gives a high knee to Red Velvet and a Falcon Arrow. Boom, one, two, three. Matches over. Sheeta goes right out of the ring, over the barricade, beats the absolute crap out of Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. They've got to pull her off of the two of them. Kip Sabian's glasses are ruined. He's furious. Penelope Ford screaming. Hikaru Sheeta looks like an absolute angry monster. I was fired up on this. Yep. This is I'm what I've been missing up. from Hikaru Sheeta the entire yes. time. It, I've 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 said here on the show a bunch of times. I've I what's her story? What's her character? Cool, she's got a kendo stick. What else? <laughs> she's a she's a <laughs> badass. Yep. Who will get in, who will come at you if you disrespect her? You know what? That ain't exactly a gimmick, but it's a personality trait that I can get behind in my wrestling characters. And we've gotten so, behind it plenty of times in history with some of our favorites throughout the years. That's exactly. just I'm stone cold. Pretty I don't much need the to exact say same persona. Yeah, right? I don't I don't need to say much, but if you disrespect me, I'll kick your ass. Get there goes go. a long way. Now yeah. I want to see Hikaru Shida and Penelope before get their hands at each other. Kip Sabian was actually the glue that held us together because he was hilarious in his antics. Um, and the fact that she kicked his ass too was, I thought, a nice little added twist. So yeah, this was all very simple, but very effective. Very. And it went from zero to a hundred kilometers an hour as far as their feud. So well done. done, well done. And it's funny because on paper they've done things like this before, and it hasn't really worked. Everyone nailed their parts here. Penelope Ford came across like a sleazy heel. Hikaru Shida came across like a badass babyface who would not be disrespected. And Kip Sabian came across like the scumbag boyfriend who was just there to try and egg on his girlfriend. So, mwah! Chef's kiss all around. Yes, um, agreed. I just, I just have one more question about this okay. segment, Nick. And that is, if you looked at the rest of the crowd in the background when they started scuffling in the crowd, I have to say, what was Cesar Bononi doing in the Dynamite Zone? Uh, NXT's, I didn't notice that. NXT's recent release, Caesar Bononi, excuse me, say that five times fast. Bono, no, 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 was in the crowd, uh, standing around in a shirt, hanging out with Ricky Starks. I found that interesting. Mm. He said on his Twitter he was just visiting. Oh, oh. really? No, oh, uh, just visiting. Oh, 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 okay. oh, 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 so innocent. Well, I, mean, I, I guess when you get let go from WWE, you don't have much else to do. I, hey, let's take in a wrestling show I, on a Wednesday night. I mean, he was in NXT. He probably, <laughs> he probably lives yeah. in Florida. About an hour and a half away. It's fine. It's a quick drive. Fine. Roll up the street and see what the other company's doing. Yeah. Why not? Uh, he's a big, strong dude who's got it. You know, I, I think if he came to AEW, they'd find a place for him. I'm <laughs> just throwing that out there. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm also throwing out there that Hangman Omega versus the best friends 
is kind of a crap build. Yep. It's kind of crap all around. They, no, they, a, they've made a mess of it with the confusion around who was the number one contender and who was getting the title matches and all of that stuff. They've There's no coming back from that. That We're just going to have to plow through it you know, and push forward. Well, it's it, they've built nothing around Page and Omega and best friends, and they've spent all the time with uh, Sabian and Havoc and you know FTR and Butcher and Blade. Right? There's there's no everyone there's no else who had a title this. shot between the time when Best Friends got a number one contendership, and now where they actually have it at Fighter Fest. Yeah, which is essentially a jumped up version of Dynamite. Yep. So this and this is what's frustrating about this is in addition, this little video package they had with Hangman and Omega kind of goofing around and, and you know, rapping with each other and, and being ha-ha funny and then best friends sitting on a, a staircase and rapping with each other and being ha-ha funny, uh, it just makes the whole thing feel kind of flaccid. You know, why should I care about these two teams facing each other? Because, oh, well, Omega and Hangman kind of goofily say, oh, no, they're really good. Best friends are really good. I mean, we're not best friends. We're just the best. But they're best friends, and they're kind of dorky, but they're also really good, too. And then best friends over there being like, man, yeah, Paige and Omega, they're pretty tough. But, you know, we're like, we like to hug. Yeah. What? what? Two, Two things. Chucky e. T is a former PWG champion. He, like, he's – he can go. Yeah, Trent is a former champion in Japan, too. Right. Like both, yeah. They never held tag belts together because they haven't really been a, a team that long. Well, they've been a, they have, but they haven't really been at the top like this. Two before. They didn't really get that pop. Remember at the beginning of Dynamite in October, they were coming out and they were having the matches with SCU and stuff like that. And they sure. never really, when they started getting popular, it was because Orange Cassidy was coming out with them. Right. Now Orange Cassidy's not hanging out with them anymore. He's off doing things with Jericho. Hmm. I'm I'm not saying, I'm just saying is is what makes best friends work, the pop that they get with Orange Cassidy doing his antics at ringside, or just coming in and like being in their matches. Yeah, like without the without their mascot, if you will, their little buddy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it does feel like kind of a, it does feel like a nothing match. For Omega and Paige, like it, 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 they're trying to make something of this, and then this just the fact that they didn't seem to take this seriously makes us not take take the match seriously. The fact they've had multiple title shots between when Best Friends became the the contenders and now makes us not take it seriously. There's Is a that whole lot make it that much more seriously. shocking when they take the belts off of Paige and Omega next week. It, no, it's going to make it underwhelming. It's like, oh, why they do that there? You know what I mean? It's if they if best friends do win the belts, we're gonna be like, okay, who's coming along to take it off of them? FTR, yeah. you know, yeah. they, it's good. They're gonna feel like transi transitional champs, and if they lose, it's gonna send them right back down the rankings. Okay, cool, you had your shot. Thanks, guys. Bye. I think with everything that's building team. on the other side of the tag division right now, I'm kind of okay with them being transitional champs because I would hate the other outcome where they become irrelevant. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about them becoming irrelevant, and I'm wondering what do you, how do you think they could have built this differently so that we cared. Should they have had them have some sort of interactions in the last few weeks? Should one of the teams have turned heelish? Should we have had a little physicality where, you know, a similar thing was Breezango recently where they had a title shot in NXT and their whole thing was very similar to this where they had a little backstage thing and they're sitting in chairs being kind of like dorkily funny and but trying to, trying to convince us, not through showing us, but through telling us that, oh, yeah, we're all goofy, but once we get into the ring, we're, we're very serious and we're actually like a serious team. Yeah. 
it didn't uh, work for them, and it's not working here. You asked the question, how would I have done it differently? I would yeah. have waited three more weeks until Fighter Fest, had Paige and Omega drop the belts to best friends, and then introduced FTR to come in and, and beat them down instead of doing something obscure and pretty innocuous with, with Butcher and Blade. I, I feel like that the the FTR thing and with Young Bucks and Butcher and Blade is so distracting from the actual top of the division that it's got all of the attention as opposed to the other thing. And I just I think that has drawn the ire and the spotlight away from the tag championships. I should know better than to ask you to book something. Hey, you well, know, I just but have them. Just have best friends beat Hangman and and Page. Hangman, Page, and Omega. Why not? What? Hangman and I, Page. I've got you. Hangman doing and it now. Page. Yeah, you got me doing it now. You got into my head. <laughs> you Rick rolled me on it. The Nick booking has infiltrated your mind. Oh my God! <laughs> Never gonna give you up. Never gonna. Th- I'm so sorry, everybody. All right, now another feud that's not going so well going into Fighter Fest. John Moxley versus Cage. Good grief! This has been a bit of a train wreck. They haven't been able to get off of the ground floor. I don't feel in terms of making us care about this match. Some now that I, I, let me take a step back. I have talked to some people who are so psyched for this match. So maybe that's just my perception. I've some people who look at this and they see a, a absolute monster looking dude like Cage, and you've got John Moxley with his demons. He's got demons running all through him, all through him. And he's an angry man. He's a, he's a he's an angry, miserable bastard. So we have televangelist uh, John Moxley now. Is this a new gimmick that I've, I'm unaware of? No, I was referencing Beetlejuice. Never mind. Oh, All right. Okay. So, the, the but the thing is, this week we were supposed to have John Moxley have a match against somebody, yeah. and Taz was going to be on commentary. That was the initial plan. That was the original idea. Well, John Moxley couldn't be here because Renee Young got COVID working for WWE, which is turning into its own little hot spot. Over there. And uh, so John Mosley decided that even though he had tested negative, he wanted to go home and take care of his wife because he's a good dude. Um, but unfortunately, that is going to throw the actual title match into jeopardy, him doing that. I have no idea how they're going to make that safe. But this week we got Cage coming out and murdering another poor bastard named John Cruz. And when I say murder, I mean like just hucking this boy all over the place. He power bombed him from outside the ring into the ring. He did curls with this poor guy. Uh, and meanwhile, mm. Taz not only did a, uh, a Taz segment where he broke down why all of Cage's moves are devastating, which I love. <laughs> I love when he does that because it's just such it's such bullshit. Ta- but it's Taz so looking right into the camera and promoing after just yes. Oh. And he had Taz on commentary during the match, which was very short, and then coming out afterwards and getting right up in the camera and saying, that's right, John, you ran home like a little bitch, but we're here <laughs> waiting for you whenever you want to come back, and uh, you can't stop the path of Cage. I've got to say, if Cage loses this match, if Cage doesn't win this match, or if they don't have some sort of serious kerfuffery at the end, his whole entrance is going to be squashed. His entrance is who can stop the path of Cage. And if his first major opponent stops the path of Cage, that's going to invalidate your whole purpose to have that entrance. Yeah, there's no more path. There's no more path. <laughs> the path. Well, who can stop the path of Cage? John Moxley. We have our answer. I, I, I still go back to when we had the ladder match at Double or Nothing and Cage debuted. I still would argue that he was the wrong one to win that. We were questioning whether or not he was going to debut 
Uh, and I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion that if he did, he would likely win. I think I picked Ricky Starks, if I'm remembering our picks right for that. But anyway, I feel like there should have been somebody for Moxley's next opponent that's been there for some time and not just inserting someone because reasons. We went through the whole thing with Brody Lee, and it was just it felt it just fell flat. It just completely fell flat. And immediately after that, we're gonna do sort of we're gonna do a Brian Cage just instantly gets a title shot, and there's no build, there's no story. The thing that made the Jericho run so good, one, it was Jericho. We had the creation of the inner circle, we had Cody, we had promos, we had face-offs, we had all of that stuff going on. None of that has happened since Moxley has has gotten the championship. We've got none of that kind of stuff. Yeah, story a couple building. a couple of very Moxleyish promos, but that's that's it. about it. And Nothing yeah, we, really can, we can blame COVID. We, we can certainly blame that that has severely limited their ability to do things. And Cody mm-hmm. and Jericho both had the advantage of the crowds, all of that. I get it. I get it. Um, so I want to give them, I want to give them credit for doing the best they can for right now, but this isn't working. Well, and, and you I don't, I wouldn't say that the Brody Lee thing was a complete debacle. He did look like a monster, but him losing definitely cut his legs off a little bit. And once again, they've got to try to build dark order back up. And it's going to the same thing with Cage. If you bring him in looking like this monster and Moxley beats him, it's going to cut his legs off. Yeah, it's he. It's going to be frustrating. They've and they've done this a few times with it, where they bring in monsters, and they have them lose, and it just makes them look bad. Yeah, uh, they did this to Jeff Cobb too. Even though we kind of rationalized that um, and how that worked out, it's still like, what are they going to do if Cage loses here? How are they going to build him back up? How are you going to tell me? I mean, look at look at Lance Archer's out. You know, kind of been lost ever since he lost to Cody. So, which is I, what I, I was I worried about. Worried. Yep, I'm very much worried now about Cage as well. Uh, oh. Real quick, super chat, James Taylor. Thank you very much with 199. He says AEW tag division still better than the Motorcycle Ninjas. Yeah, uh, <laughs> d- debatable. I think there's room for both. Apples and oranges. Apples yeah. and oranges. Uh, the Motorcycle Ninjas are Saturday morning cartoon goofy little thing that I very much enjoy and think is hilarious, even though it is kind of eye-rolling from a certain perspective. Um, I'm loving Tozawa with that, and it's 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 kind of goofy fun. The AEW yeah. Tag Division is a tag division. It's actually like a serious division at this point. But before I get to talk about that tag division, we got to talk about the Dark Order some more, because I was mentioning yep. Brody Lee and how they had to rebuild the Dark Order. They're doing it. And they're doing it through Colt Cabana, who had a tag match with Brody Lee against the newly formed tag team of Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela, mm. which I think is a brilliant team. And they've done some, they had a little uh, video package where the two of them were in the car. Joey's still, you know, moping about not knowing who he is anymore. And they go to a gas station and Joey goes inside to get Lunchables and new, new sunglasses. And he comes back out to find Sonny Kiss is in a, a, a brawl with a bunch of guys. So he jumps in, hits people in the face with his Lunchables bags. And they do a couple of combo moves and drive off all happy together. Um, brilliant. Awesome. And then we come to this match where essentially the story of the match is Brody and his boys. You had uh, uh, John Silver and Alex Taylor. Forget the other, the other guy's name. Uh, Alex Reynolds. Uh, we're outside the ring and basically operating as uh, shields and the like they're coming in to take the heat off of Colt and Brody. And it was fascinating to watch Colt, you know, have these guys 
pull him out of the ring when he's about to get pinned, uh, take the uh, uh, Sonny Kiss to a giant uh, springboard to the outside. They took the hit on that, pushed Colt out of the way. And at the end, Brody takes out Joey Janela with a massive lariat and then lets Colt pin him. And afterwards, Colt's sitting there going, whoa, it, this is actually kind of cool being a member of the Dark Order. You mean that I've got guys watching my back and I get to win? And backstage, you had Brody basically saying to him, yeah, see how cool it is to win? See how nice it is to win, to be a winner? We're going to have loss in our life, but the real thing is how we pick ourselves up afterwards. And now here you are. And tell you what, if you like this, at Fighter Fest, we have a three-on-three tag match. You, me, and Stu Grayson versus SCU. And I'll tell you what about SCU. And Colt's sitting there going, uh, SCU? You mean the guys I debuted with to help fight you and your boys? And Brody's like, yeah, 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 but don't worry about it. So here we have And Colt. if you step into this room right here, Mr. Cabana, we'll take your feet and count and you know, evaluate you. <laughs> it does feel a little Scientology-ish, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, and they're getting away from just the blatant Vince references as well. That'll be $3,000. <laughs> right. Uh, so here's the thing. I'm loving this storyline where the Dark Order does seem like an organization that has something to appeal to someone who's down on their luck. We haven't really seen this before from them. We haven't seen Brody Lee look like a mastermind. Here, he looked like a mastermind. We haven't ever seen them slowly grind down someone's morals and their, their perspective. Yeah. And here, we're seeing that. It's the most effective, I think, Dark Order's ever been with its, as you said, kind of Scientology, cultish uh, thing that they've done because they're actually allowing them to succeed. And on somebody who we've established is like the ultimate babyface, good guy, Colt Cabana. Yeah. We're watching him get broken down. This is good stuff. This is really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, line drive, Kyle with his $10 super oh, chat. Thank, Thank you, sir. He said, is AEW relying too much on new talent coming in and not enough on the talent they've had? It seems like the ratings effect happened because of an over-reliance on the elite and this week not having them. I'm not really sure what happened to the ratings this week. In case you didn't know, Nick, uh, NXT beat AEW for the first time in a while. Although AEW did still beat NXT in the key demographic, the 18 to 49. Um, but yeah, it was weird that they didn't really have any ratings this week, considering this was their going home show. So not, not good. No bueno. Thank you, Kyle. Um, yeah, no, that's... Good question. Why, it goes back to what I was talking about with ratings? Cage and you know the, the other stuff, right? Why are we... And, and yeah. even Brody coming in and within a month getting a title shot and go, working straight away with, with Moxley... While Evil Uno and Stu Grayson that have been doing all the work, we know they were they were yeah they, they were, were stuck, stuck in wow. you know. But at, at the same time, it's like you can wait, you can hold off. I, I just I don't feel like we have to do everything immediately right now. FTR coming in kind of upends the tag division because you took all bit. of the shine off of Page and Omega and the best friends who were the number one contenders. I we've got a, I, we've got a long way to go to be WCW where the big yeah. pre-existing stars are pushing down the the kind of the younger talent. I feel like if you if you look across the board, you do have a lot of guys who've been there since the beginning, people who they've raised up, Sheeta, Wardlow, Luchasaurus, Orange Cassidy, um, Hangman Omega, best friends they've been working on since they've started. Uh, so I, I do think that they're still they have a lot of homegrown talent that they're still working with. MJF, you know, the the you've got Jurassic Express and uh, MJF and Wardlow, like they're 
they're, they have a lot of talent that they are still working with. Um, the in, injection of Brody Lee and FTR, um, Matt Hardy, I don't think that that's, it's, it's a pervasive thing yet where the whole company is just these big stars. I don't think that they're by a long shot. Um, it's something they run the risk of, you know, the hot new thing. <laughs> mm. But I don't think they're there yet. No. But uh, but th- this this was a good way to use their pre-existing stars and to also take someone like Brody Lee. I actually listened to an interview this week. Um, it was on Luther's podcast with Chris Jericho, and they were talking about the evolution of who the exalted one was going to be. And initially, it was going to be Marty Skrull. Like they Jericho laid it all out. It was going to be Marty Skrull, uh, and then it was going to be Matt Hardy, and then it was going to be Luther. At one point, but oh, then wow. they got Brody Lee, and they said, "Oh no, he's perfect for it," and they went with him. So that 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 position went was going to a few different guys, but it was always going to be a major guy, except Luther. Um, although Luther would have been interesting as that, I don't. He would not have pulled it off anywhere near as, as well as Brody Lee. Well, it feels so it good right that we decision. were reading the room correctly with Matt Hardy. You know that it's yeah. Well, it's a logical decision, but Matt wanted to be something else. I was questioning my abilities quite a bit when they ended up being Brody, (laughs) and we were—I had been on the Matt Hardy train for three months, and just like, really, not Matt Hardy? Okay. Well, let's talk about another big guy that they just brought in. Was kind of new, Lance Archer. Uh, He got in the face of Sonny Kiss afterwards, started beating her up, and then started beating up uh, Joey Janela, KO'd both of them. Actually, had to have Jake the Snake pull him off of them, and now we know we've got. Lance Archer versus Joey Janela thrown together at Fighter Fest. That could be good. Could it could be, be really something. Um, I don't know. Joey needs a win. Lance needs a win. I think that's a that's a sketchy one. Yeah, that's a sketchy one. I think that they they might actually have Joey go over with Sonny's help, and that ain't good for the big man. No. So, yeah, I'm 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 the jury's still out on that, but. Uh, we did bring up FTR a second ago and the fact they just came in. Well, they were supposed to have a match uh, this week with um, – they're supposed to have a match with someone who's no longer – It was uh, was it originally supposed to be the Super Bad Death Squad? Why am I – So? Oh, I had it in my notes here. Um, I'll, I'll find it. But they ended up okay. having a match with SCU. And uh, it's actually turned out to be a uh, a pretty good call because – these guys tore it up. It was a damn good tag match. Natural, uh, natural nightmares, nightmares you, of Jacob. course. QT Marshall, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, thank you, Jacob. Um, yeah, of course. Psh, ah, uh, ah. It's early in the morning. Coffee, kick in. Come on. Uh, natural nightmares. Obviously, that didn't happen, and I think it was actually for the best because damn versus SCU was ah. And afterwards, FTR of course wins and starts cutting a promo on how they're the best tag team in AEW. Even better than those gosh darn young bucks. But then we hear a truck revving. You see, FTR drove straight to the arena from North Carolina, according right. to their introduction. And in their fancy, fancy pickup truck. And then who do we see in the back of the pickup truck but Butcher and Blade? And Butcher's there revving the engine. Blade's in the back with the mic saying, Look, <laughs> we got your truck. Oh, by the way, turn around. FTR turns around, and who should be behind them but the Lucha Brothers? Lucha Brothers have returned. 
to fill the spot left open by Super Bad Death Squad, who, of course, can't really do anything right now because Jimmy Havoc's in rehab and getting some sensitivity training and who knows what all else. Um, but this is a that's a damn good substitution. They finally got Penta across the border. Mm. And there he was. So now it was set up where we have an eight-man tag match, Lucha Bros and Butcher and Blade against FTR and the Young Bucks. FTR and the Young Bucks have to tag together. All right, I see you convulsing over there, Nick. Are you okay? Are you okay, buddy? <clears throat> Put it in my holes. <laughs> Young Bucks, FTR, Lucha Brothers, and yes, Butcher and Blade. Yes, across Done. the board, yes. Sold. That might Sold. be the one reason I'm over the moon excited about what we're going to get at Fighter Fest. That but right thrown there. Together, thrown together, don't care. That's you were, We were talking a second ago about the tag division. This is just four teams. You can you can count at least another four to six teams they have in the tag division that are also sick. You could have slotted in here, and they would have been great. That tag division is sick right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I, I'm all for that. Thrown together, don't care. Boom. Yeah, I, give, I, give I me feel that. like Butcher and Blade are kind of getting the short end of the stick here because I mean you're 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 putting three of the best tag teams in the world in the ring together, and you've got to compete with that. Well, someone Good has luck, to boys. Eat, someone's <laughs> got to eat the pin. Yeah. And also, I think Butcher and Blade have been underrated since they got there. They just never had a chance to take off, and they've yeah. changed their gimmick a little bit. They've kind of, you know, fixed them. A, I don't even know fixed them. I like their original gimmick, but. Hey, all right, cool. I'm down for this match. And speaking of the tag division, you've got Matt Hardy facing off against Santana because he was supposed to uh, supposed to face Sammy Guevara, but Sammy Guevara has been suspended and he has to go have sensitivity training because what he said about Sasha Banks, which was vile, and he does need to, he did need to be suspended. And this was they handled that I think perfectly across the board. I'm gonna throw in my two cents on this one. Okay, Sammy Sammy Guevara personally and AEW as a company. Handled that situation perfectly. Yep. And also Sasha handled her end of it as well, like how she responded perfectly as well. That all, I'm I'm so relieved that in, in the middle of all of this insanity that's been going on and all of this dirt that's been uncovered and is being exposed and now being handled, this was one where I truly feel like, cool, everyone did, the, everyone did it right. If you have this kind of situation, that's how it's done right. Yep. But here we had Matt Hardy versus Santana. Um, shockingly reverses a pinning attempt at the end of this match to get the win and didn't look that great in the match. He looked like he was trying to hobble to keep up with Santana. It was it was not pretty. Yeah. Um, but it, and then what it were was they even, trying to accomplish here, or was this just filler And then I was also time? like, well, yeah, and one wonders what they originally had planned with the Sammy angle because it's been this weird thing where Matt wants to mentor Sammy. He wants to get him out from under Jericho's influence. So I'm not sure what the original story was here, and I'm not sure what it does for Santana to be beaten by Matt Hardy. I mean, you did have Ortiz jumping afterwards, beat down Matt. They both beat him down until Private Party comes out, and then it's announced that we have Private Party versus Santana and Ortiz at Fighter Fest. Uh, okay, that'll be a good match. It'll be entertaining, but just kind of out of nowhere. Um, maybe it's just because they had to throw it together to, you know, because of the situation with Sammy. Did Matt potentially have, excuse me, <clears throat> did Damascus potentially have plans <laughs> to uh, insert Sammy into the lake of reincarnation at some point to Ooh. get him to uh, come out of the inner circle and Interesting. change him? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. 
Uh, I'm not sure, but all I know is that that's a thrown together match that will probably end up being good, but just has no has nothing yeah. really behind it. But there's two more teams in their tag division that are sick, and they're going to have a tag match that's going to be great. So wow. yeah, when we're talking about AW's tag division, it is it is. I think at a couple of times we said I thought it would be better, but looking at it right now before a nominal pay per view, before a before a, a big event, if you will, it's looking pretty stacked. So props to them for doing what they said they were going to, and that's have the best tag division in the world. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Absolutely. I'd have to say. And finally, one more great thing that they're absolutely nailing and taking over the fence, Britt Baker, who this mm-hmm. week was still in her, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, it's, a, it's a big Jeep kind of thing. And they've golf got her cart. stuck in it's a, It's like an overgrown golf cart. Yeah. Um, for a six-wheel ATV or whatever it is. But she's, uh, she's there in the back in her wheelchair, surrounded this week by plexiglass, because last week, of course, she got, she got kidnapped or Britnapped by a big swole and thrown into a dumpster, which was freaking hilarious. So this week, she didn't want to get kidnapped and thrown into a dumpster, so she was protected by a security guard and Rebel or Reba or Rebecca, whatever her assistant's name is was there as well and up came big swole to talk smack to brit and brit just cheers the window with her little apple teeny and was like haha you can't get me this week sweetheart <laughs> so big swole being the smart swole that she is went and grabbed the trash can and just dumped it over brit's head from the top of the golf cart it was also hilarious yeah and brit screaming and 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 panicking and rebel coming over with a i look like a, a leaf blower and trying to like blow it at big swole <laughs> It was all very entertaining, more fun stuff, and more proof that just because someone's injured doesn't mean they have to go away. Chris Statlander. <clears throat> she'll be back. I have a feeling she'll be back, but Britt, again, once again this week, showing that it, she's just one of the best characters. I can't wait for her to, and Swole to finally have a match, but if you keep having these kinds of shenanigans every week, I will continue to be entertained by them. Yes. I want to go back and listen to us just completely tear down the initial heel turn promo on the Jericho cruise uh, six months ago and how down on it we were and yeah. like, no no future self or, or past self yeah. it, our, we're going to show we're going to get in Doc's time machine and go back and be like no no it's okay this is going to turn out great is there anyone right now who is more vastly improved no I mean in terms uh, of character I, mean, I don't, don't want to has... no like, she's gone from, you know, she gets on the TV, we roll our eyes to, can't wait to see what Britt gets up to this week. And I, Cannot I, give a, I feel vindicated because she was one of the ones that I was most excited about last yeah. summer uh, before Dynamite ever started. And, and when Brandy Rhodes was doing all those vignettes and promos and she was talking to Allie and Britt Baker, and I was like, <gasps> yes. <laughs> yep. So it's, it's paying off. It's yeah. paying off. Well done, Britt. Uh, and... Yes and no. Well done on some things. Jury's out on other things for AEW as a whole going into Fighter Fest. We will have to see. It starts next Wednesday and goes for the next two Wednesdays. So we will see what happens at Fighter Fest starting next week. But speaking of next, Nick, we've got to stop talking about AEW now and go over and discuss NXT. Starting at the end and working our way backwards. You got to. We had we got you, to. you just you can't not talk about 
this at the top of the show. Keith Lee defending his North American Championship against Adam Cole. I'm sorry, not Adam Cole. Johnny Gargano and Finn yes. Balor in a triple threat match. Holy smokes. Yes. Uh, I want to tell a little quick story here, if I can, Sir Ian Dangerous. I'll, I'll, I'll settle right. in. Uh, the promo that we play all the time uh, from our boy Keith Lee. This one. Yeah. This is the Limitless Keith Lee. That one, right? The one that we play all the time to open up the show. Uh, uh. It's just, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting that one with my iPhone ringside. Okay? Yep. Right. And I remember, I'm I'm just shy. I'm right at six feet tall, and I'm yep. about 220 pounds. I'm yes. not small. No. Mr. Lee, may I please have <laughs> a promo, sir? Uh, this man, and I'm I'm telling I'm saying all of this because there's there's reasons here. This is a giant man. Yeah, he is a girthy. What you could put two of me side by side, and that's Keith Lee, and mm-hmm. he's tall. He's six four, I think six four six yep. five, three hundred plus pounds. He is a big man, the softest, most sweetest teddy bear you've ever heard talk, but. It is a big man, and I have not since I got that promo. I think it was 2018 at the at, with the Globe Theater for Three Mendes, maybe. I, I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, I sounded like Jeff Cobb's promo right there. I don't even know where I am right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it was at the Globe at a PJ, PWG event when I got that bumper. And since that point, I have not seen it properly put in perspective how big that man is until you put him standing right next to Finn Balor so Finn and Balor Johnny, Johnny Gargano. Gar- yes, he is he just, a giant man. Yeah. And, and he's, you know who did the most athletic shit in this match? The biggest man in all. Good God, I love Keith yet Lee. still played a big man part <laughs> and was lumbering around and tossing dudes around like nothing. Yeah, no, he's, he's huge. It, when I try to illustrate to people how big he is, a good friend of the show, uh, Flanders, Stupid Sexy Flanders, who is not a small girl. She, she works out. She's yoked. And she's about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, like she's a... She's a, a She's a put-together woman. I have a picture of her. He's, you know, got his arm up. He's flexing his bicep like this. She's sitting on his arm like it's a, a hammock, like, a, like it's like a, a chair. Bench. <laughs> yeah, she's just sitting on that thing like it's nothing. He's just casually putting her up there. That's one of the most, as someone who's like, I've, I've picked up Flanders before. She's, like I said, she's solid. That's that to me is one of those things that illustrates just how big and strong Keith Lee actually is. It's freakish strength. Forget and this my man, long-winded story there at the beginning. It's I just, okay. I, holy it's true. He, more people need to know a what an awesome guy he is, and b how damn big and strong the man is. Yeah, he's a he's a throwback. He's a throwback to those the guys you the used bygone to, era of the bygone big boys era. in the '80s in trunks, just big yes. dudes who were just like genetic anomalies uh, who could get in the ring and do feats of strength that you shouldn't be able to do. Well, he can also do feats of athleticism that you shouldn't be able to do. And here he is with two little guys who can also do some incredibly athletic stuff, holding his own and able to work both big man and also do some, some big athletic moves as well, like fling himself over the top rope to splash on him. We've been ever since this was announced a week ago. Uh, we were like frothing at the mouth for this. If you remember, Nick, at the end of last year, there was another triple threat with Keith Lee versus Tommaso Ciampa and Finn Balor. It's where we got the fat, that gif of Keith Keith rising up behind Finn. Yeah, with his right? Christmas was, hat on. 
with his Christmas hat on, right? That well, I think he's done it a couple times now where he does the rise up on Finn Balor. Well, he did it again in this match as a way to remind us that that match happened. He ate the pin in that match, and I'm wondering if this match was a little bit of, of recompense for that because at the end of this, first he murders Johnny Gargano with a Big Bang catastrophe. Then Finn comes off the top rope, Kuda grosses Johnny in the chest, Johnny rolls out of the ring, Keith grabs Finn, gives him a Big Bang catastrophe. One, two, three, he pins Finn. It's a pin Finn. A Finn pin? A Finn pin. Yeah. A Finn pin for the pin Finn. And I, I don't even know where I'm going with that. All right, so Keith Lee wins the match over these two guys, which is a big deal. That's definitely like, whoop, we're, we're, we're putting a, a big mark under Keith Lee's name. And now he's going to go face Adam Cole to see who's winner takes all, who will be the combined, the unified, unified combined, North American champion and NXT champion. So this is an interesting position. I've been trying to tell y'all. Keith you think Keith? It. You think Keith Lee's winning this? I think he's winning it. He's going to drop the uh, probably the North American Championship to a Finn Balor or something along those lines. Maybe a Cameron Grimes. And then I'm seeing what? him go up against Karrion Cross for the NXT Championship later this year. See, here's one thing that and made then go to the Royal Rumble in January. They put they put him over. They they ran down all the accolades that Gargano and Finn have had. They ran those down before they they wanted you to know how prestigious this win is because he ain't winning next week or t- in two weeks. In two weeks, he's not beating Adam Cole. They want him to come into this fiery hot so that when Adam Cole sneaks out another win and then has to drop it to Karrion Cross, drop both belts to Karrion Cross right away, it doesn't hurt Keith too much. Uh, I truly, I at this point, if Keith beats Adam Cole, I'm going to be ecstatic because it means that they're they're strapping some rockets to our boy. Um, even if he does drop it right away to Karrion Cross, like that's a big deal to have him be the guy on the books who's going to end Adam Cole's historic reign. But I don't think they're going to do that. I, there was I just too think much time Cole spent and UE are done, here. and he's he's on the fast track. That's I, that's why I'm saying that. It, it, it's not a slight to Adam Cole at this point for him to lose the championship. I also think that they, we've got other stuff to talk about here, but I mean, UE is probably done and, and it's really about execution of how they do the breakup angle between all of them. So uh, Kyle then, with, with five bucks in the super chat. Thank you, sir. Keith for you. double champ. They've built this up so well since war games. This is really great. Long-term storytelling. It's not just war games. It's his appearance against Lesnar in the Royal rumble. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. All kinds of moments. Keith has had more moments in the he, last they, they 12 months. They call him months. a moment maker. Yeah, I, but this is the, I don't know. I think that there's another story going on here. I think they can still tell the story of Keith's ascension, but the fact that Karrion Cross has only really had Adam Cole in his sights, unless they're planning a swerve, makes me think that they're heading towards an Adam Cole and Karrion Cross program. Otherwise, it's going to seem a little random. And if they have, I mean, they did have Karrion Cross versus Jonah Rock this week. Rock wanted it. He got it. And frankly, it was a really exciting match because Karrion Cross acted like a big guy and was fighting a big guy. And these dudes beat the crap out of each other. And the fact that Jonah just kept coming for more and Karrion Cross kept powering out of every big move that Rock threw at him 
made it a really exciting match where Rock looked fantastic. He looked like a really strong dude. Karrion just looked like an unstoppable monster. So they're setting up that Karrion Cross can take out big boys. Maybe that's something that and they're going to turn that towards Keith. I don't know. I just I have a feeling they gave Keith the big rub on this triple threat because he's got to lose to Adam Cole. I Here's why you're wrong. <laughs> okay. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, the backstage segment where Scarlett was back there with her hourglass? And yes. And Keith Lee came in and smashed it? Yes. Th- there's more story there. And ultimately, the outcome of Adam Cole dropping both belts to carry and cross is it's, it's boring. There's there's even more less to tell there than having Keith go over Adam, so Adam can go do good things and do the breakup angle with UE, and then Keith can feud with someone for the North American Championship, ultimately dropping that, and then go have the battle with Carry and Cross for the NXT Championship. What you're talking about is going to transpire in like the next two months. Yes. Versus, I think we've got That's six true. months of booking out here. So I I don't know. I I feel like there is story to tell there. Carrion wants his back. He he does remember because remember at the very end that he came in and stepped on the broken glass. There's there's little things there that we can call to and we can promo against and we can build a Keith Lee carrying cross thing. So really wouldn't quickly. wouldn't it be advantageous to carry and cross to get his revenge on Keith Lee in that title match and then cost him that match so that Carrion gets to face Adam Cole for both belts? Sure, if you spin it that way, that, I'm that spinning could work. it that way. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I okay. spun it that way. All right. Mark it down. So you, you think Kerry Cross is going to interfere costing Keith Lee the match against Adam Cole? Put a marker on it. Ian Booking. Boom. Okay. There it is. Uh, Finn Balor, is, did he come back at the worst damn time in NXT, or is it just me? <laughs> it's stacked right now. There's so many guys in the main event picture. Finn should be the biggest deal on the roster, but he's down there with Johnny Gargano eating a pin from Keith Lee. And again, no disrespect to our boy Keith Lee. I'm really happy he's getting these big opportunities, and he should. But I'm thinking about Finn Balor coming down from the main roster, trying to be a big fish in a little pond, and all of a sudden he's found out there's a lot of big fish in this pond. Top it's, of the card is very heavy. It's heavy. He came in at the wrong damn time, especially when you guys got, got guys like Road Dog backstage saying, well, if he was the size of Karrion Cross, he'd already be world champ. Sorry, Finn. Dog's got the same problem Vince does. He likes the big boys. Or he's just a company man who knows that the company likes the big boys. Either way, doesn't matter. But you mentioned Cameron Grimes earlier, Nick. Let's talk yes. about him facing off against another big boy in Damian Priest. He did attack Priest before this match, left him lying in the parking lot. That parking lot is a dangerous place, I'm telling you. I was going to say, I, I know there's a lot of you that live in Florida, and I want to warn you that if you ever do, when we get back to having crowds at, at some point in the future, if we... If you ever do decide to partake in an NXT event at full sale, be careful. That that parking lot is dangerous. You could wind up facing off against motorcycle ninjas or be run over by a drunk driver. Or or have some random crazy guy throwing poop at you. That you could be abducted by Lucha. They arrested him again. Did you hear about this? He came back and got arrested again. After we reported it the uh, God. Just seriously, can we get a restraining order on this guy? Well, it Good won't lord, he'll keep coming back. He'll. Uh, you gotta, you gotta completely lock him up. Just trank him. Just make like Joe <laughs> Biden and shoot him in the kneecaps. Right. <laughs> they didn't last time. They shot him in the chest. <laughs> He's already been shot. What do you do to him? 
If you guys don't know what we're talking about, there's an NXT stalker who keeps, or a WWE stalker who keeps coming back to the parking lot as well. So the parking lot's a dangerous place, yeah. is what we're saying. And they still don't have security out there. So, of course, Damian Priest gets injured now, and he has to have a match with Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes said, oh, he's going to forfeit. Nope, Damian Priest heroically comes out with his busted up ribs, but still can't, can't he's, he's selling it like he's been shot this entire match. And finally, at the end, he gets overwhelmed by Cameron Grimes, who cave stomps him twice, once outside, once inside the ring for the loss. Um, that one outside was pretty. That was, that was pretty impressive. They were both pretty pretty. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a pretty devastating pretty? looking move. Pretty pretty. It's pretty pretty. It's pretty pretty pretty. Speaking of pretty pretty, Kyle again with five bucks in the super chat says, "Thank you." Uh, I think if Keith does win the North American title, it should get an open challenge until he drops it. Eh. Let's, let's get that. there first before we start booking. Beyond. I mean, Keith Keith already. You mean the unified title? He already has North American title. I don't think it's going to be unified. It's just well, be, but if he has both be Keith belts. two belts. There's a lot unified. of two belts going around. Yeah. It's very hip to have two belts these days. Everyone's be having two belts. What's with everyone having two belts? Started with Seth a couple years ago, and then Becky did it. Then Naito did it. Now they're going to do an NXT. Well, not a well, two belts. I we guess, need? Yeah. Bailey did it. Bailey's yeah. done it now. Good grief. Everyone loves these two belts. Um, okay. So, yeah. F- f- let's talk about Priest and Cameron Grimes again because th- is. Priest, Priest, they're obviously turning him face, which I think is a good thing for him. But is having him sell his ass off in the, his first two really face matches, is that the best way to get him over to make him look like he's fighting upwards to kind of baby face him in that way? Or would having him look like a dominant badass be better? I think he's done. Oh, okay. Third option. Hot yeah, take. I... I, I... Grimes is going to move on to the North American title picture. I, I, th- I think Priest might be done. I, I'm. I have. They've tried. So heel. you're. I don't like him as a face. Okay. Wow. You know. I, I just. I didn't like this whole. Oh, fighting upwards against a guy half my size. Yeah, that makes total sense. It feels like they're reaching. It feels like they're grasping at straws. And we love our punishment, Martinez. I don't want this to come across the wrong way. That dude is awesome. But he ha- he might be one of the most mishandled talents in NXT since they've had him. Is it their fault, or is it just him not quite going to 11 on his gimmick? Again, we're, we're, we sound like a broken record. We say this every week about him, about his gimmick, where it's like, go all the way with it, make it, make it you know, make it a, an 11 on a scale of 10. Um, I don't know. I feel like they could pull up this plain if the idea is to break him down make him vulnerable and then he gets to come back and be a badass on the upswing where we've watched him get beat down we feel bad for him now he has our sympathies and then he gets to come back and be a badass after quote recovering from this injury if they do it that way i think they might be able to pull up the ship sure we did that with a champa you know we we did that with a but it's he's not on that level yet he needs to get. He needs a crowd to help yeah. him right now. Uh, he needs yeah. a crowd. And he needs a stronger gimmick. He, he needs something on the level of a clearer like I said gimmick. It before Velveteen or something like that, just to really just pop yeah. us hard, right? And the irony is that's exactly what Cameron Grimes did. We hated it when he came out with the hat. We hated it when he came out with like the hat. I'm from the Louisiana Bayou. Oh, chair. Hello, I'm Cameron Grimes. I'm a Southern boy. Yeah, don't ever do that. We again. hated it. We hated it. <laughs> I was trying to make it as obnoxious as possible. Yeah. 
Mission accomplished. We hated it. But here, here he is, and you know exactly who Cameron Grimes is. Yep. When he comes out with that with that sleazy laugh and the swagger and the stupid hat, you immediately go, I hate this guy. He's taken his gimmick to eleven yep. and it's working. Because and, I always and it's felt just like through his mic work, a silly hat, and a and a leather vest. Because Trevor Lee was basically a creator wrestler with long hair. Yeah, this is actually a gimmick. Yeah, and it's a strong gimmick, and it communicates well, and it works for him. They've honed that to a laser point, and contrasting that with how they've done with with uh, with Priest, you can see, like if Priest could get his gimmick to that level of clarity that Grimes has with his Priest to be off to the moon. So, someone else who's got their gimmick honed in now is Robert Stone. There's been kind of an up and down with him where he was initially managing Chelsea Green, then she dumped him, and he went on what can only be described as a, as a bender of despair, where he's been showing up drunk every week. He spewed in the ring last week, horked all over the mat during a match with Zia Lee and Aaliyah. Aaliyah's been trying to get him to sign her because... She's got nowhere else to go. She's a quote-unquote loser. She's not doing well. And even though he's a mess, he's her only hope. And that's a very entertaining little dynamic that's going on there. Well, this week, Robert Stone got back up in Rhea Ripley's face saying, look, I know I asked you to join my brand before and you told me no, but guess what? I'm giving you another shot. I've got a golden ticket and the train is leaving the station. Whoop, 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 whoop. And he keeps whoop, whoop, wooing until Rhea Ripley punches him in the stomach, picks him up, and throws him into a dumpster where he flails about until Aaliyah comes along. Can't believe that Rhea's done this. Slaps Rhea in the face, <laughs> which Aaliyah immediately recoils from, oh, God, what have I done? Rhea kind of just uh, tastes her own blood and goes, well, you just got yourself a match. See you in the ring. That's not what she said. She said What'd the she worst say? line ever. Uh-oh. You just got yourself a golden ticket to my ring. I I, I rolled so hard I fell out of my chair. It's like, oh, come on! <laughs> that is not Rhea Ripley. Uh, Rhea Ripley is a big metal loving stomp your a hole in you badass. And I want to see Rhea keep doing Stop doing cheesy little lines like this. Throw Hucking Robert Stone into the dumpster. Okay, that's cute. But I, I don't. I don't want to see this out of Rhea. This is this is taking things down a well, little bit to Aaliyah's level, and I want to it, see the other, the opposite way. It got worse for you, Nick, because then we had the match with her know. and Aaliyah, and she she destroyed Aaliyah pretty much, pretty handily. Aaliyah kept getting in little hits here and there because Rhea was just too confident. At one point, Rhea had uh, had her locked up in the elevated cloverleaf, and Robert Stone threw one of his shoes at Rhea. Who and throws Beth, a shoe? Honestly. Beth, Beth, bless her, came up with that line right away. Thank you, Beth Phoenix. That's why you were the one of the best yes. commentaries. Oh, beautiful. Mwah. She got that, that. Who throws a shoe? Right off the bat. But Rhea goes out, chases Robert Stone around for a little bit, tries to beat him up, uh, ends up beating up Aaliyah. And then, and I kid you not, after she beats them both and sends them packing, puts her thumb up to her nose and wiggles her fingers in the air like, yeah, 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 yeah. Take it out of my eye holes. You this defeated is, Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. You know, God. Yeah. 
Um, oh, sorry. Before that, no. I, no, I was completely wrong. No. You had a match with Charlotte Flair. You lost. I'm sorry. You and that you had a you match with Survivor Flair Series. two months ago. You you looked dominant all last year. You destroyed Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler, thank you. Yeah, destroyed Shayna Baszler. And now, I mean, the the I I understand what they're doing with Rhea. They're saying she's got to go to the bottom. She's got to rehabilitate herself. They're having this comeback story. Mm, but she's losing that badass edge that she had initially. And that's two, two shots right here at her image. That Now, she looked dominant as hell. She looked like a badass. But does that but matter, yes. though? If, 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 the whole, if all of the stuff that made you what you were initially that got you that push to, come o- to go over Shayna to become the next NXT Women's Champion, to carry that, all to, to walk out like a boss and be like, hey, Charlotte, congrats on winning the Rumble. But hey, why don't you challenge me? That's Rhea Ripley. R- throwing Robert Stone into a trash can and telling Aaliyah she can- <laughs> you just got a You've golden, got a golden ticket, ticket to my ticket ring. To my ring. <laughs> <laughs> I d- no. Yeah. I don't want to. No. I mean, we're, we're getting a little big. We're getting a little bit hashtag wrestling here about this. But I, I will uh, let's leave it at this. Okay, is that it did seem a little bit too goofy for Rhea if we're trying to be if we're being told that she's trying to rehabilitate her t- herself and be taken seriously. Those things are they're 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 shooting holes in that. And next week we found out that uh, due to a little bit of trickeration, we got Robert Stone and Aaliyah versus Rhea Ripley with the stipulation that if Rhea loses, she has to join the Robert Stone brand. Oh, now, if, now, if that happens, if they're by some way they do beat Rhea, which I think was probably going to happen, you got months of storyline of her dealing with Robert Stone. But I feel like that's going to undercut her even more because oh, it's, yeah. she's going to go into a comedy storyline and that's not going to rehabilitate her image at all it didn't need rehabilitating it did she was feeling a little bit underwhelming ever since wrestlemania where she couldn't beat charlotte afterwards and just seems kind of lost in the shuffle of everything um and we were saying on the show how we felt like she lost her way um i don't know if having an ongoing storyline with robert stone is going to help that it's great for robert stone and Aaliyah. It's great for them. That's what I said. Elevates, it feels like it, instead of elevating Aaliyah and Robert Stone, you're you're bringing Rhea down to their level. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just wondering, where's Chelsea Green in all of this? She dropped, she dropped Robert Stone, hasn't had uh, a match since. She's still denying access to uh, their pool, <laughs> which probably is. We're seeing the ramifications of that right now. Kyle, maybe, with maybe. 10 bucks in the Super Chat. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, I feel this is just a bit of fun before a Mercedes Martinez feud. And Rhea mm-hmm. is honestly this dork in real life on top of being a badass. We do talk True. about people being True. allowed to be themselves. You know what, Kyle? That's Good totally a fair point. Fair. Absolutely fair. fair. Let her, if she, she wants to be the kind of yeah. a geek like that, I'm all for it. Look, look behind us, each of us. <laughs> we we yeah. obviously have no problem with that kind of stuff. So. But, but, but again, Becky had to drop the dorky stuff to become the man. Bingo. And I you know feel what like I mean? Rhea fast-tracked to that point. Yeah, she started off as the man and then got dorky. Like, dorky's fine, but it isn't going to help people think you're a badass. And Rhea should come across as a badass. 
it's it's hard to play it both ways. Very few people can actually accomplish being a dork and being a badass. Matt Riddle, I'd say, is the only kind of modern example who does it. Um, and even there, it's a hit or miss proposition. So we shall see. Yep. Uh, Undisputed Era had another little fun bit where Roderick Strong is still trying to figure out uh, what's going on with his fear of Dexter Loomis. He had his final therapy session when he decided he was going to actually get into that trunk and he realized that Kyle O'Reilly has been his therapist all along. Funny little bits. He got into the trunk. Congratulations, Roddy. You overcame your fear of Dexter Loomis. Now you have a match with them tonight. Wait, what? So we had poor Roderick Strong try to get into the ring with Dexter Loomis, who's never looked creepier. He did. He played it great this whole time. Just stood completely still in the ring and Roderick kept getting in the ring and having to leave. Getting in the ring and having to leave and finally he just Ran off so fast, he ran into the plexiglass at ringside and then ran to the back like a scalded dog. I, w- I would have rather Fish. had Dexter Loomis driving the limo, and as soon as they close the trunk, it's, it's, he oh, sticks his head out the window and goes, thank you, and he j- speeds off with Roderick. Like Undertaker? Like, th- I, I thought this was silly. Loomis looked great in the silly. ring, but I, I, it was unnecessary completely. Keep telling oh, me these stories, right? but I, just, I don't waste my time in an NXT ring with this kind of stuff. What?! Yeah. This was uh, what are you talking about? This was wildly entertaining. Okay, and then having and then having Loomis like kind of creepily slide up behind Bobby Fish. I love that. And like like a like a snake just get him from behind, um, try to choke him out. And Bobby Fish screams and runs away. Dexter Loomis should look like a predator. It was great. It looks great for Dexter Loomis because it gets to. Oh no! Stop it! You know you loved it. Stop! No, no, I, wa- I wasn't no. snoring. I was trying to do the predator noise. Oh, was that what that was? Yeah, I, I did it wrong. Sorry. You thought my southern accent was bad. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I was wildly entertained by this. I don't know where this is going. All I know is this is fun entertainment to me. I think it's showing off how the you know the one aspect of Dexter, Dexter Loomis's character, which is very entertaining. We're having some fun with Undisputed Era. They're getting to do stuff while everything else is pretty stacked, to be honest with you. So they're finding ways to do things. It's a little comedy segment. Um, and unlike Rhea Ripley, I feel like Undisputed Era has always kind of dealt in a little bit of comedy, so they can they can dip their toes into this and still come back. Yep. yep. So I'm not mad at this. Nope. I'm also not mad at Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez having a match with Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter. Uh, once again, like Keith Lee with uh, Finn Balor and Gargano, you had a big a big person in Raquel Gonzalez with little people kind of flying all about her and her showing off her strength. She needed to look this badass. She did look badass. She's now calling herself Big Mama Cool, which is great because they're really driving home the whole Diesel and Shawn Michaels comparison, which yep. I think is appropriate for these yep. two. And next week, you've got uh, you've got Dakota Kai facing in a fatal four-way for the number one contendership to the women's title. I think now is the time to strike with Dakota Kai with uh, Raquel as her, as her beefy backup. Um, I, th- I thought this was a way of setting up for that. So Yeah, what do you think what do you, th- right you think the end game is Dakota Kai for the uh, women's going up against Io Shirai for the yeah. NXT Women's Championship? I think that's a strong possibility. The other women in the Fatal 4-way are um Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, and Tegan Knox. Mm, okay. Um so I suppose it could be Candice, but I think they're going to hold off on that for right now. Yeah. A lot of um, history there with Candice, though, with Io Shirai. So that's, that's not out of the question. True, true. And they could take more time to build up Dakota Kai if they want us to take her more seriously. Yeah. Because I think the first, con- the first opponent 
for EO is obviously not taking this belt, I don't think. So if we did want to have Dakota be possibly champ at some point, which I think, given the setup with her and Raquel, could be really intriguing, might want to save it for later. But we'll I, see. I love the consistency they've got going on with all of these ladies. Um, I, I, I think I said it a week or two ago that I'm starting to see a, sort of a resurgence and and a love for the women's division in NXT again. But it, this all felt lost for a little while after uh, after the Survivor Series and War Games setup that kicked things off last fall. Uh, but the way that they've consistently been telling these stories week after week for the last month or so, I'm really happy with where this is landing, and I'm, I'm anxious to see where it goes for sure. Uh, but I do yeah. have a hunch it might be Candace. Well, we'll find out. We'll yeah. find out next week. Uh, we've also got uh, uh, Santos Escobar had a match with Jake Atlas. Santos Escobar's first match unmasked. Uh, it was pretty fun. We saw a little bit of interference from uh, from Escobar's little buddies there ringside, but nothing too much. And he beat Jake Atlas, Atlas pretty clean, which I think was he needed. Um, I'm not sure that leaves Jake Atlas. I guess it gives him something to come back from. But Escobar needed to have a solid victory to establish himself as the Cruiserweight champion. Uh, if you watched 205 Live this week, it was fantastic. Tony Nese versus Swerve Scott. Swerve Scott picked up the win, and it was a fantastic match. Swerve Scott now saying, I'm coming for that championship title. Give me Swerve Scott and Santos Escobar. Put it in my eye holes. Yes. Num, 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 num. Give me more of that. And give me more of Tim Thatcher breaking people's arms. Uh, we had hey, hang more on, thatch, time out before you go thatch, faster. Thatch can. Uh-oh, what? Who? What? Are you telling me we're going to see King Cuerno and Killshot have a match on 205 Live? <laughs> uh, yes, I am, Nick. I am telling you that. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes, all, please. All the yes. All the yes. Bring that back. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, sorry. A little bit of uh, Lucha Underground nostalgia there. <laughs> Rest in peace. Tim Thatcher, Thatcher's Thatcher's can. He's uh, showing guys how to put people in submission holds. Beautifully done because he actually shows you how he's doing it, and it actually makes him look more scary because of how much of expertise he actually does have. Uh, very plain spoken, saying, look, you just put your fingers right here. He doesn't have to put much force. And this guy's, look how big his arms are, and I can just break his arms as much as I want. The only thing that made me kind of feel a little squirrely about this bit was we just got done not done. We just actually had a whole bunch of stuff come out about the number of wrestlers who have been bullies during training sessions as coaches uh, and, and in matching you know, with Dave Christ, Jack Gallagher, finding out that you know the, the, the nasty stuff and the bullying culture that's going on uh, in some aspects of wrestling. Do you feel, Nick, that this was a little bit tastelessly timed? Or am I, am I being too sensitive about it and I should let it go and just enjoy Tim Thatcher destroying people. Man, that's a, <laughs> tough, that's there, a tough question. It's a, I feel like it's coincidental because they've started all this going, but you got a point where if you're doing it in kayfabe as part of storyline, that can, that cult, that can bleed into the culture a little bit. So I, you know, and as a former athlete, there is a level of you know coaches and things like that egging you on, making you go harder. Hell, if you've had, ever had a personal trainer and they're yelling at you over the top and basically spitting in your give me one more go, you can yeah, do it. Sure. It's not bullying, but I mean some of that can you know it could it's certainly a fine, be interpreted. It's a fine line. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fine line. No, I, I'm I'm bringing it up kind of rhetorically Stop because yelling at I me, do you scary man. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> 
because as you said, Nick, I mean that you know having someone be mean in in athletics or in anything any competitive sport is nothing new. Yeah. Um, I think to the point where it becomes aggressive and becomes bullying, I, I think is something that's now where people are having to discuss where the line is. You know, NXT is at its own history of uh, of bullying coaches, uh, Hugh Morris, and I think that um, you know now that Bill Demott is gone from NXT, that's not so much the culture there. Yeah. But, and I know they started this before all the speaking out stuff happened, and I know that this is actually a, it's a great character for Tim Thatcher. Um, so obviously not directly related. But uh, I, you know, there is definitely an aspect of professional wrestling where uh, sometimes you get people that want to be involved in it because they crave physical dominance over other people, and that gets them off. Um, I don't think portraying that as a character should be verboten. I guess I'm just throwing it out there they've got to be a little bit careful with it given the current climate. That's all. You know, kind of like the the body shaming, Nia Jax bullying angle on the main roster where it's like, sure. you know, guys, if you're going to do that, just mind your P's and Q's. I could go off the rails real quick. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. That being said, I, I love this segment. I love Tim Thatcher being a bully. It's very appropriate for him because he's a scary guy. And he, he's missing, actually missing a tooth. It's like snapped off or something. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it could have been that crazy match that he had with Matt Riddle. No, it's it's been that way for a while too. That's always that's always been Tim Thatcher. He's always looked like Cesaro after face planting into the ring post. Uh, Don't think about that too long. But that's a that was a it was a, a very entertaining episode of NXT. I got to say, Nick. Overall, I was yeah. I was very engaged with it. I can't say the same about another bit of WWE programming. But to talk about that, we had to head over and talk about Friday Night SmackDown. Well, um, yeah, again, kind of taking it at the end here. Look, this, I, I don't even know where to start with this. This was a mess. Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't even like they gave us an hour of stuff and then we watched the Boneyard match for the second hour. Nope. It was sprinkled all throughout the show and commercial breaks and it was just haphazardly thrown together. Taker, taker, taker. What a taker, mess. Taker, taker, taker. Taker, taker, taker. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Take, 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 take. All the taker, all the time. Um, and this, of course, was because they had to scrap most of their initial plans for the show because they had a COVID outbreak at WWE. To find out more, listen to BWO Daily. We talked all about it the last few days. Uh, WWE in the midst of what might actually be a very serious situation. Um, and we didn't really get to talk about this on the on the news yesterday, but it's actually come out now that WWE is expressly telling everybody that they are forbidden to say anything on Twitter or to anybody else if they have COVID, which um, the last time I checked, you actually can't do to an independent contractor. It's illegal to tell them how to handle their medical conditions, especially if it's a medical condition that they have to tell people about to try to figure out who they've been in contact with to try to keep the spread from happening. Oh, but wait. I digress. Let's talk about SmackDown, where, as we said, we were supposed to have a toast for Jeff Hardy with Sheamus. Uh, we were supposed to have a, a match between Drew Gulak and AJ Styles. That didn't happen. Uh, we did end up having Braun and Bray have a bit of a talk. So that ended up 
actually happening. But most of the show was taken up by people talking about Undertaker, re-showing the Boneyard match in its entirety, and then having some fallout from Baron Corbin being the only person to talk smack about The Undertaker. Apparently, Jeff Hardy took some umbrage to that. Okay. Because The and Undertaker having, was my mentor. I will say this. Undertaker did put Jeff Hardy over huge in that ladder match on Monday Night Raw. And you know the one I'm talking about. I do. Where he shakes his hand afterwards. Yeah. That, was, that, was Jeff, that was Jeff Hardy getting anointed right there. So I guess in kayfabe history, I can go with that. But it still seemed to come out of nowhere, and it still established Corbin as kind of the de facto go-to slimy bad guy once again. And at the end of the show, we had a match between Jeff Hardy and Corbin, which started off as a match, but then as it progressed, a bunch of the face wrestlers came out from the back to surround the ring, a la a lumberjack match. And at the end, after Jeff Hardy gets the pin on Corbin, and Corbin gets up to try to beat up Jeff Hardy, everyone jumps in the ring to beat up Baron Corbin. Because in the middle of an, a COVID outbreak, the best thing to do is have everyone jump in the ring at the same time and breathe on each other. Yeah. Just saying it's a bad look. Just saying it's a bad look. But is this, for a last-minute, like, hot take, like, let's just change everything and do this instead, was this kind of a lame, on-the-nose, pitiful way to save face? Um, what did you think about having this instead of anything else they could have done? It was awful. <laughs> okay. There you go. Was, uh, I, listen, I think the, we all collectively agree that the Boneyard match, the cinematic match, which we now know based on Last Ride's spoiler alert, is for really reals this time, Undertaker's, quote, sure, last match. Sure. Until he shows up in five years. At until, he, until, he, until Saudi Arabia cuts him a million-dollar check. Right. However, um, I feel like... The idea to fill half the show with a replay of the Boneyard match was smart and clever. And then let's front end that with the greatest hits of The Undertaker. I thought that's what I was going to get. Sure. In an Undertaker tribute show. I liked right. all the vignettes and the interview segments of all of the legends putting over The Undertaker is like this massive, and, he, and rightfully so. I did not need Baron Corbin, Corbin and Jeff Hardy. Nope. I, I did not need Braun and Bray, again, kind of doing the same mm. thing, talking about well, a... Well, we'll talk about that in a second. We'll I, talk about that in a second. All of this stuff, that you could have just done an, an actual Undertaker tribute show for two hours and put a bunch of commercials in it, and we'd have been done, and I would have been like, you know what? That was fan-freaking-tastic. I just got done watching the last two months of Last Ride uh, on the WWE Network, and I am primed for a SmackDown tribute episode on The Undertaker. This was not it. <laughs> this was not what you wanted, Nick? No. This was not hashtag wrestling. It has uh, nothing no, to do this, with wrestling. It was this a was, shit show of execution of a TV program. Yeah, well, it, it was also so on the nose and just so patronizing in some ways. And also, for those of us who knew that the reason why the show was structured this way we're sitting here going, why are you having so many people in the ring together? This is why you couldn't do a whole show to begin with. It's because you, you did stuff like this. What, did they all huddle around Adam Pierce backstage before they came out? It was great. Oh, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was facepalm worthy. 
but let's talk about the fact that we also had a segment where Braun came out to talk about Bray Wyatt and gave what I can only describe as the longest speech slash story that Braun Strowman has ever been allowed to give in the ring and t- spun us a yarn, if you will, Nick. He spun us a yarn about his times back in the swamp with Bray Wyatt, back when Bray first discovered him. He's hanging out in the swamp, sitting on a dock, looking out at the swampy waters. Long came a water moccasin, and Braun wanted to stomp on the water moccasin's head. But Bray said, no, the snake is our friend, and he reached over to the snake, and the snake bit him on the face a bunch of times. And that's when Braun Strowman realized that Bray Wyatt was indeed the devil. And so he's going to do the devil's bidding, and he liked it. But then he challenged Bray to go back to the swamp to have a match. And we find out, Nick, that we're going to have a cinematic match at a Extreme match. Rules. A swamp, a cinematic swamp match. A swampy cinematic match. So, it's so be we've swampy. gone from Boneyard to Swamp. Got it. All it's right. going to be swampy. Well, the same team is producing it, by the way. Um, okay. Except for Michael P.S. Hayes, who's sick right now. They didn't say with what. Um, but we're going to have a swampy cinematic match at Extreme Rules. And Extreme Rules' tagline is going to be called The Horror Show. Which normally, as a big horror dork myself, I would normally be like, horror show? Yeah. Except now, I'm sitting here going, could you have found a more inappropriate tagline for your show right now than the horror show? Much less the history of the House of Horrors match involving Bray Wyatt. So now are we going to have a Swamp of Horrors match? Oh, God, it's the Swamp of Horrors match, Nick. They're going to project. Going to the they're going to project horse. maggots onto the water in the swamp. Oh god! And it's, it's just going to be a oh, shit show. Oh my insides! Oh god! I feel like I've been bit in the face with a water moccasin. Nick, would you? Okay, let's talk about this. Let's just talk about the mechanics of this. How was Braun in terms of setting? Because this was all on Braun and his storytelling ability here. How did how did our big man? How did the dude that you literally have a stuffed toy of on your wall? How did he do? with this tall task to set up this match via his storytelling ability. (laughs) (laughs) This, this hurts. Um, I think I've said this about guys and girls before. If you're going to be a big, scary monster, just be that big, scary monster or look at what cage is doing with Taz. Have a really good advocate who can be the mouthpiece for you. Yeah. AKA but you know Brock Lesnar. You know what though, Nick? Like I, I feel like right now Braun isn't being portrayed like a monster. He's being portrayed like a WWE champion. He's a big dude, but he's also like happy and and friendly. And, but you know he can still kick ass. But he's intelligent. Like they're pulling him away from the special attraction monster kind of booking and presentation and making him more of a WWE champion kind of a presentation, which means you got to be able to speak. Yeah. And Braun can speak a lot better than a lot of other big men in history. Fair. He's actually quite good on the mic. You know, often still sounds like he's reading off of a script, but it's a very clean delivery. And I would actually say his storytelling here, it wasn't good as storytelling, but it was good as like presentational WWE theater. In the world of WWE, this was acceptable. It's like high school theater in the big picture, 
But that's kind of also WWE stock and trade. Yeah. So I couldn't really come down on the big man for this. It's just, it wasn't exciting just because of the way that he delivered it and because, you know, it wasn't portrayed as like this intriguing story you want to get drawn into. Yeah. But in terms, it was a, but it was also a very clean promo. He's very focused on throwing his voice and sticking to the script, and it makes yeah. that come across unnatural. It was dry. Right? It was and dry. So, he's talking, he's throwing his voice off. and That's not how he talks normally. He's got a no, deep voice, say. yes. But, it, but if, he, <laughs> if he just talked in his normal voice, look at Drew. It's Drew's called not, a wrestling voice, man. I know, but I got to go down here it's and a, growl with everything. It's the reason why Jake the Snake can't talk anymore. That and years of meth and coke and cigarettes. But <laughs> quickly okay. over to the uh, wow, super that went chat. somewhere else really quick. <laughs> Go to the super chat line drive. Kyle, again, thank you very much, sir. Four ninety nine. Appreciate it. He says, "Thank you." This Braun promo didn't intrigue me. It just confused me for all the wrong reasons. What even is Braun's character here? It's all over the place. Um, I actually feel like the character that Braun is portraying is the closest we've seen to actually trying to understand who Braun is in general. He was a monster that Bray Wyatt had some sort of mental control over. He's since broken free, but still has a little shard of that darkness inside him. You know, never really free of the cult. Never free, You're never truly over being possessed by the devil. Mm. So I kind of feel like that's what they're going for here. As far as it not intriguing you, like I just said, it's probably because Braun's delivery was so dry. He's not exactly a captivating storyteller. He's, his execution is fine, but that next level of making it engaging just wasn't there. And this is a very big, kind of goofy, spooky story that you've got to sell the hell out of if, you're gonna, if we're going to go from, quote, realistic storylines to all of a sudden Bray Wyatt's the devil and he's getting bit by a water moccasin and what the hell level, what the, whatever else stuff is going on here. You've got to really go over the top to sell it. Where they messed uh, up was having Braun deliver this instead of Bray telling the story from the other perspective. And I think it would have knocked it out of the park with just Braun reacting. Yeah. Well, a note that Braun started laughing like Bray at the end of it. Oh, that was showing that there's, a, there's still a little bit of Bray inside. The, the laugh off between the two of them was a little silly, but I, it was yeah. agreed. Yeah. Uh, Esme also in the super chat. Thank you for five dollars. Thank she you. She says, you know, you know, what doesn't suck. The Patreon mailbag is up next. Yeah, <laughs> very true. And all we have to do is just finish this show, which shouldn't take too long. because We've only got two more things to talk about. And one of those is Nikki Cross becoming your new number one contender for Bailey's Smackdown Women's Championship. So we had a number one contendership. <laughs> You're shaking your head over there, Nick, like you weren't a, a, a fan of this. Nikki Cross versus Lacey Evans versus Alexa Bliss versus Dana Brooke. Number one contendership match. Uh, Nikki Cross ends up pinning Lacey Evans with a roll-up uh, after, uh, after she knocked out Bliss with a women's right. Anyway, it was a whole, it was a whole kerfuffle. At no, the it was Dana Brooke. Match. She, she Dana knocked Brooke. out Dana Brooke. She knocked out Dana Brooke. Alexa was out of the picture. Nikki and Alexa had a little scuffle early in the match, but like, hey, it's all competitive. We're all good. So they're still on the same page. Nikki Cross heading for Bailey. The only thing I can think here, Nick, is we're setting up Nikki versus Bailey to keep the tag titles somewhat in the picture because Nikki and Alexa are a tag team. They're going to have some, like, a, a then, tag team. Then why was the first that. person Nikki tried to roll up Alexa Bliss? In the match. This made no sense to me. Fun little competition. Get 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 Establish their relationship in the match right off the bat. 
they forgave each other, and then we went on with the match. I feel like they did that just to pre-establish their relationship, which is fine. With like, hey, we're fine. Ha ha, a little bit of competition, but we're fine. This felt like a gimme for Lacey Evans to go up and get the SmackDown Women's Championship or at least have the match with Bayley. I but was that's very not the story. That's not the story. The story here is Sasha's going to face Asuka and probably take her title, and then you're going to have Bayley and Sasha, both double champs, but also tag champs at the same time. And then at SummerSlam, they're going to have to have something to drive them apart, and that is the fact that they're going to have a tag match. If they have a tag match, probably the most likely contenders are going to be Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and so that way that keeps Nikki and Alexa in the picture if you have a match with Nikki Cross at Extreme Rules. <laughs> no. No? You're, no. Not, you're not happy with that? No. You wanted your Lacey? You wanted your Lacey. No, range. it's not even Malacy. It's not even like, you know, I'm, I'm not angry about that. It just, right, we're, we're just continuing to throw all of the belts onto Bailey and Sasha because Becky and Charlotte have left. So I... What do we do with the tag championship after this? I don't know. There's two or three female tag teams that are killing it over in on NXT right now. Um, but why don't why don't we consider that as an option? I don't know. They already gave they gave, they already they, gave the gimme nod. Everything's got to be on the four horsewomen of NXT. <laughs> they already gave the gimme nod to NXT. They had one tag match. Okay, we're done with NXT. Cool, we did that. So, so you're gonna have them carrying the tag championships. You're gonna have Bailey with the SmackDown championship. You're gonna have Sasha. With the Raw Championship, and then yeah. you're going to break yeah. them at, out and have each other, and then one of them's going to have all the belts. Come uh, on. No. Come on. I it, just, it might, I don't know. It's, it's what I'm seeing them going for with, with the, having Nikki win here. Uh, Kyle made a good point, too, in the, in the chat here. He's you know, talking about Lacey Evans. They spent months trying to get her over as a face, and now she's going heel again, it looks like, which does seem that's, that seems crazy. Um, have her stay face and go face Sonya Deville. It was, that was so good. Uh, and then finally on SmackDown, Lucha House Party and The New Day having an eight-man tag against Miz and Morrison and Cesaro and Nakamura. Cesaro, Nakamura, and New Day have a date with Destiny mm. at Extreme Rules where they will likely have a match with rules that are extreme. Uh, but the really entertaining part of this was the fact that Lucha House Party and Miz and Morrison have absolutely fantastic chemistry. Lindsay Dorado has great chemistry with Cesaro. Seeing uh, Morrison get back in with a couple of luchadors, you forget that that man used to be just nothing but par parkour, and then he went away for nine years, and half of what he did was working with luchadors. The dude can do the good lucha things. This match was way more entertaining than it should have been. Lucha House Party looked like a million bucks, and they might actually be the recipients of the best possible situation with uh, for Forgotten Sons getting forgotten because now they need to have another tag team around. Uso's also injured. So Lucha House Party are kind of like, hey, we're here. We do good work. Have us show up. And then they go out there and do good work. So, uh, yeah. We're, this was this all was, just about New Day and Nakamura Cesaro as yeah. far as story, but the real Way story I felt... it had any right to be or that we expected yeah. it to be, but if you look at it on paper... Lucha House Party, New Day, Ms. Morrison, Cesaro Nakamura, like all, yes, please, all of them. I, yeah. I, want, I want all of them to be successful. Like and, it's 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 not good booking for the tag division, but you put any of these teams against any of the other teams, and I'm gonna be entertained. Yeah, like they've got good tag teams, and they're booking them better than the how Raw tag is getting booked right now. So. Kyle with a couple more super chats, two bucks each. Thank you very much, sir. He Thank says you. it's not Nick booking, it's Vince booking. I'm assuming you're referring to me going Bailey or Sasha three belts. 
<laughs> you know, someone's got to have all the gold at some point. Yeah, and gotta it's got to be Bailey's one of those record. four women. Uh, also, he said uh, Lucha House Party versus Miz and Morrison Lucha Underground style. Yeah, totally. I can get behind. Give that. it to me. Yes. Put it in my eye holes, and then Esme with two dollars. Thank you, darling. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. She says, "Okay, no lie. My sis always forgot the Forgotten Sons." I mean, can you think of a more appropriate name? Yep. If we didn't keep bringing them up, y'all would forget about them. You'd have forgotten they existed because they were barely there. Yep. yep. And I just, I just feel bad for Blake and Cutler. But that's it for SmackDown, and that's it for the wrestling this week, Nick. Uh, it is. That was. That's. It was a, a week of hits and misses. New Japan Cup firing back up uh, after this yeah. weekend. So. Coming on the first. Yes, coming on the first, the second round action. Got of the, the Japan uh, the Cup over there. English English commentary is now out. Go check it out if you guys want to watch some New Japan. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, there it is. There's the show, but we're not done. We've got just enough time to do what we like to call our moment of positivity. The mop, the moment of positivity. That's right. It's the part of the show where at the very end, we try to leave you on an uplifting thought, Mm. something that you can take back out in the world and feel positive, have a smile on your face, something that gave us the warm fuzzies inside, something that was positive. Nick, what was your moment of positivity for this last few days Mm. of the wrestlings? This one's tough because I got a little heavy last week. I'm sorry. Or earlier yeah, this week you- on Raw, oh, but oh, it's it's. Great. I'm not going to get Fine. heavy. We're going to be very positive today. Uh, it's you know what I was down on it as a match, but I really liked the interactions of Undisputed Era this week. I really liked. I like what's going on with with Roddy right now. He's sort of you just crapped all over it in the as show. A match, I crapped on it. Oh my god! For the most part, you didn't let me finish, but. I, I, I like <laughs> I like Roddy being scared. I like him okay. running away. This remind Roderick Strong is the Messiah of the backbreaker. He is all of those things, right? He's this little guy that does these crazy big feats of strength. Uh, he's got stamina for days. Is known for these big long endurance matches, and he's terrified of Dexter Loomis. <laughs> And I I just, that to me is so good. There's something so wholesome in there. Are we going back to pre-UE Roderick Strong with the good old come from a trailer park story? He's going to be a face again, and we're going to get good old Roddy back. And I, yeah, Dexter Loomis is knocking it. You talk about somebody grabbing the brass ring right now, that dude's knocking it out of the park. All right, I've, I'm I I did not see that one coming. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's it's a lot of fun, and the fact that they're having a strap match next week is brilliant. I can't think of a better like better time to use a strap match. Just have Dexter stand there like a statue and <laughs> not let Roddy run away. It's like a dog. It'll be a dog tied to a leash in a yard have, or something. Yeah, have it like run around. He's just run around like a, te- like a tether <laughs> like a tether ball tether. pole. Yes. Just wraps him up. <laughs> <laughs> Until he gets too, he can't get away. He's too close to him. He's like, oh god, I can't get away. Loomis is just wrapped up there in the strap, kind of staring at him. 
Yep. Uh, it's going to be brilliant. Uh, my moment of positivity actually was Hikaru Shida. Ooh. I on. had the biggest grin on my face when that woman came flying out of the ring after her match and just came over the barricade at Penelope Ford and started whooping up her and her fiance. I popped. I popped mm. big for that. Really and I good. watched that. I was, I was in the bar working because I'm working again in the bar, which let me tell you, it feels so safe in there. <sighs> but I was in the bar and people were marking out for that in the bar. People who don't watch modern wrestling, average customers marking out for Sheeta, jumping her. Mm. They saw the whole thing. Like, that's right. Whoop that trick. <laughs> they were all about it. <laughs> so, of course, I had a big grin on my face. I'm like, that's right. That's my wrestling. So that's my moment of positivity. Hikaru Shida beating the crap out oh, of Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. That was good. Thank you very much, Surrey and Dangerous. Thank you guys for joining us right here on Busted Wide Open. Make sure you subscribe to the channel here on YouTube. Got your notifications set to all because we do put up BWO Daily as well now. Uh, we've been going at it. We, episode 20, we did it 25 times, Ian. We've done that now. Holy smokes. I hope you guys are really enjoying that. The numbers show us that you are, and it's working out really well, and we are loving doing it. So thank you guys for all of the support in getting that new series off the ground. We hope you're loving the content as well. It's been a rough couple of weeks, but hopefully some more positive things coming in the very near future. Uh, make sure you get into our Discord, Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. And if you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is Patreon. Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. Uh, you can get access to show notes, all kinds of good stuff, bonus episodes, uh, special segments, Skype calls with myself and Surrey and Dangerous, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.